Welcome to another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. I'm delighted to be joined in a week of sunshine by two of EGLSM's brightest stars. Editor Sam McClary, will she sing again this week? Uh, I do hope so. And news editor Pui Guanmao. Have you both had much opportunity to get out and about into the sun this week? I, well, I do every morning. I get up quite, I'm nice and early and it's been beautiful mornings and take take our puppy out for a walk. So I do get that, that opportunity and then just stare longingly at it <laughs> from my desk while in front of the computer. Mm. We. Yeah, uh, similar. <laughs> Some longing gazing happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did actually, sorry, I did comment, it might have been Sunday night because it was um, another beautiful day, but it was quite cold, wasn't it? But mm. we were determined to drink um, a bottle of rosé in the garden in the sunshine, but had on jumpers and um, <laughs> puffer jackets. But, um, you know. Is there anything more British than that? Nothing. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start uh, with uh, one-off, if not the big uh, news stories of the week. And this time, I guess I won't just be asking the questions. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to contribute a little bit. So the High Court has given uh, a huge boost to landlords with a pair of rulings. Uh, one was towards the end of last week, but uh, a second uh, was given on Thursday. Uh, uh, spoilers just before we recorded this podcast. Um, to the effect that Pandemic or no, tenants have got to pay their rent. Uh, and I imagine there must be a lot of relief uh, and excitement out there among landlords at this news. Yeah, it does seem like the scales are, are tipping towards the landlords mm. at the moment, although at the same time, it does seem like a sort of watch this space kind of moment, just given the sheer amount of legal claims out there um, at the moment. Um, but yes, uh, it's been been getting a lot of uh, of attention. Um, I guess so. Um, with the Westfield one uh, that happened last week, um, Commerce uh, Real and Unibal Radamco Westfield, the uh, landlords were uh, granted summary judgment in their claim against uh, the tenant, the fragrance shop, without the need for a full trial. And um, maybe you could tell us more actually about <laughs> this one that's just happened today with uh, Sports Direct and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so this uh, this one today, very much uh, the, the, the master involved in this one, singing from the same hymn sheet as uh, the chief master in, in, in last week's decision, but uh, it's, a, it's very much a much more thorough judgment. Uh, we're talking 100 pages um, in the judgment that's been handed down today. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, uh, what the master did is he obviously, he saw the developing problem and he, he really tried to grasp that nettle and he brought a number of claims together to be heard together to uh, ensure that they were dealt with in the same way because you know, the last thing the industry would want is uh, two judgments coming out within the space of a week where one master says one thing and the other one says completely the opposite. Yeah. So today's judgment involved uh, three sets of premises, uh, a Cine World Cinema, a Sports Direct uh, shop up in Blackpool and a Mecca Bingo Hall. Uh, so a nice sort of spread, very representative of the various uh, retail and, and leisure uh, interests that have been so affected by the pandemic. And um, the master dealt with pretty much every argument that tenants could put forward in, in claims like this. Uh, and uh, and he also is he's given summary judgment um, in favour of the, the two landlords in the case. Um, 
who were the Bank of New York Mellon International and AEW UK REIT. Um, and it, you have to, uh, so the, the fact that it's, it's a summary judgment that's been granted in both of these cases, so that's that's basically the, 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 the masters who have been asked to decide them have decided that no matter how many grounds these tenants have put forward, none of them are arguable enough to, to warrant the need for a full trial. So that is a pretty resounding decision uh, in, in what is, you know, quite a novel set of circumstances. Uh, and effectively what um, the, the, the two rulings mean um, is that nothing, not the, not the code of practice, uh, not the moratorium, not, not the questions of insurance, business interruption insurance, policies owned by landlords, uh, questions of frustration were even dealt with in today's um, decision. None of those is really uh, an impediment to the clear legal position that the right to submit a claim for unpaid rent is unaffected uh, by all of this. And and the master, uh, you know, he makes uh, makes the point that it's uh, it's for courts it's it, to to maintain that 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 sort of that legal structure to decide things according to the law, uh, and he says it's it's for Parliament. Um, to to sort of go beyond that to change anything in in, in favour of of tenants and I think uh, yeah obviously landlords uh, will be welcoming that decision and we've had um, we've had some comment uh, already in today so so Guy Featherstone Hawk you see and Elizabeth Fitzgerald uh, who represented the landlords um, they uh, and they're going to be writing uh, about uh, these cases for us. Uh, for EG for next week, and so that their their column should should be online early next week. And they've sort of said how, given the combined resources of, of these tenants in this case, it, it can be expected that every single available argument that might be conceived of for non-payment of rent was deployed, uh, and that the unhesitating rejection of those arguments for the second time in a week and at summary judgment level will no doubt provide much comfort to landlords in a property market characterised by difficulties of rent collection over the course of the last year. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to see really where tenants can go from here. We, we, we do know there are other claims in the wings. Um, I, with the, obviously the scale of uh, the parties involved in this case and the potential impact on their uh, massive countrywide portfolios, uh, I would be very surprised if they didn't pursue an appeal. Uh, and obviously it, it will be even more... Uh, desirable and useful for the, the, the higher courts, the appellate courts, to 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 give their their views on this developing situation. Um, and obviously, the, you know, the higher up the courts go, the, the the more the prospect is for them to do something a little bit radical, to to maybe depart from the status quo, to to you know make sort of new law in 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 ways. Uh, but um, you know, such a such a resounding. Uh, decision in favour of landlords at this stage suggests that it, there might not be much prospect uh, of a successful appeal, but I, I imagine we will very much have to to, to watch it as it uh, proceeds through the courts. They're sort of perfectly timed cases as well, aren't they, with the, the call for evidence that there is at, at the moment. And I was going to say it's, you know, I agree with you that it's a really great win for landlords, but then, and it is, but also you know, this is, this does go back down to the very argument that I guess every landlord was having during, during the moratorium. And, and I, and I, I think it, and I'd be really interested to hear from you, Jess, actually, 
about what sort of impact this might have around the CVA conversation. But it goes back to the argument that every landlord that I've spoken to that has um, had issues with um, retailers uh, or tenants that can pay but chose not to, that you can't just, you know, you signed a, a legal agreement, you agreed to um, pay your rent in this way, you did your due diligence, and if you didn't, that's not the landlord's fault, that's mm. your fault. So, you know, you can't just rip up that con- that contract, you know, you have to come to the end of it, or you have to come to some agreement with with your landlord over over that. You can't just go, oh, yay, I won't do it. Mm. Um, so, it is a it is a win for them, but it's also this is this is just the law, and that's that what you should, <laughs> well, that, what I mean, you should that, have done. Yeah, that's very much the, the 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 sense that you get from 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 reading the judgments. That's you know that's in effect why they've been decided uh, by summary judgment rather than you know the the need to be tested um, a full trial. It, it it's it's sort of. Uh, it's basically a decision that it's self-evident that you know you've agreed to pay and you have to pay. And uh, the master in today's judgment uh, at one point did point out there had not been any uh, suggestion that the tenants uh, in this case couldn't pay. Mm. Um, and it, it you know it, it is I suppose in theory possible that in other cases where perhaps that was an element uh, that, that other considerations might might. Uh, come into come into play but um yeah i think uh one thing the success of these two claims uh is likely to mean that if anyone had been holding off on on issuing a claim uh they're going to be pretty quick about doing it now uh and obviously as as we approach the end of the, the moratorium uh you know assuming there isn't any further extension which i think uh would be disastrous. <laughs> uh, it would be, you know, it would be uh, stretching things a little bit too far, as, as, as especially if, uh, you know, we're all supposed to be open again for business from from June. So, um, uh, I think, uh, I think that anyone working uh, in the offices uh at the winding up courts or at, uh, listings uh i think they're going to have a very very busy time yeah i mean all of these have really highlighted all of uh, you know the, the question around what happens next i mean um and it's as you as you say you know it's um as you said earlier sam it's and just kind of linking to your point earlier on, on the westfield case um um, Unibar's uh, UK boss uh, Scott Parsons told us that you know rent collection it still remains an issue and that the government moratorium is isn't helping as it's sort of encouraging this can pay won't pay behaviour um, and uh, you know speaking to some people out in the industry um, you know Re- Rebecca Campbell at um, Brian Layton uh, Cave Brian Cave Layton Paysnet sorry did I get that the right way around <laughs> you did the sure. second time the second time. Okay, good. Um, so Brian uh, Leighton Cave Paisner, anyways, um, she said it really needs to deliver something that will help uh, tackle the situation before it escalates. Uh, I mean, it's estimated that, you know, hundreds, even a few thousands um, of legal claims are out there. Um, and um, Donald Lambert, as well of Pennington Manchies uh, Cooper, says that if restrictions are extended, it could well prompt uh, a fresh round of, of litigation, um, as you say, Jess. And 
um, you know, this currently remains the only route at the moment that landlords can sort of take against tenants. Mm. And a breakdown in communication really seems to be at the heart of these cases. And, you know, the code of practice that's been highlighted as, you know, a sensible tool for landlords and tenants to be using. But evidently, um, you know, evidently there's something missing from uh, the equation. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess if if any of these issues are affecting uh, you, by you, I mean our listeners, uh, you know, do do make sure you have your say before the consultation closes on the 4th mm. of May. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, our friends over at the BPF uh, are working really hard on on that as well, aren't they, with their, um, their sort of small, small landlords, small, um, small property owners uh, campaign. So, you know, this is um, you know the the big boys have got uh, and girls have got quite have got got a reasonable voice, but um do do definitely get in touch with the BPF if you are a a single landlord um as well because they they want to help and make sure the message gets across and, and you know there's going to be what five billion pounds plus of unpaid rent out there and that is not insignificant and that loss of income to landlords is 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 painful and um you know they they shouldn't be shouldered with all all of the all of the pain my quick question sorry jess i'm sure you want to move on um before we do around cvas was whether Hmm. a judgment like this could help in the you know we've heard so many arguments around the use of cvas haven't we from from landlords that they are again another tool that um occupiers are using to to you know get out of their legal legal agreements could we do you think this could be used as a um a a tool for people to approach that that again and and question the the use of cvas um i think i don't know how much how potent a weapon it will be uh in respect of um challenging CVAs and and also uh, the new sort of restructuring plans which are kind of almost uh, starting to take over from CVAs. We've got the the Virgin Active case uh, which is going back before the court next week Uh, so uh, that will be I think our first big restructuring plan case. Um, So yeah I mean these these judgments are very much about uh, upholding a legal agreement and you know CVAs and, and restructuring plans are are a means of reframing and reshaping uh, those agreements so but I mean as an indication that uh, the courts uh, side with well, not not side with landlords but that the, 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 the landlords have the better arguments uh, in these indicate in these cases I mean yeah it's it's it only strengthens their hand um going forward so i'm not sure whether that answers your question or not uh, answers your question or not but um yeah uh we have been talking uh, about retail and, and, and that's quite fitting this week because uh we have uh, the retail leisure and logistics uh special in the magazine so uh what have you been looking at uh for this for that pre 
Um, well, uh, yes. Yeah, so I guess, I, um, you know, there, there were sort of two prevalent themes running through it, really, one being industrial ambition and the other being the reinvention of uh, retail spaces, particularly the oversized ones. Um, I mean, I don't, um, which one should I go for first? Oh, I mean, I guess I'll go for industrial. So um, so we interviewed um, Stenprop's uh, MD, Julian Carey, for an update on how its ambitions to become uh, the UK's leading multi let industrial real estate providers going um, and these guys have never been shy uh, you know to state some grand objectives um, theirs is to revolutionize the way multi-let is managed in the UK uh, driven by tech and data um, and so um, Kerry spoke to us quite a bit about the opportunities and the challenges um, in harnessing that technology um, for growth um, you know as well as the ambition to um, grow its operating platform. So in the long run, its offer, you know, could evolve to sort of pioneering all-in-one package deals, offering utilities and broadband uh, to occupiers at fixed prices, which I think would be a first for um, industrial. But um, yeah, you can read more about that in, in this week's issue. You know, he has some really interesting and forward-thinking uh, views uh, in that space. So do check that out. Um, and yeah, I guess, um, you know, there was also a lot of conversation to be had around um, reinventing uh, retail spaces. So between John Lewis's closures, Debenham's collapse and Arcadia's collapse, there's already some 18 million uh, square feet uh, of uh, retail space from these that are going to be sitting empty uh, on high streets and shopping centres and out of town uh, sites. But there are some really interesting uses going in there. You know, um, we're seeing lots of Debenhams as being turned into student digs, uh, cinema, uh, conversely also a new Fraser's department store concept, uh, which is, uh, I don't I don't really know what to make of that, but <laughs> at any rate, uh, from department store to department store, um, although they probably, I think they've called it a multi-brand concept. So, um, mm. you know, maybe there's some nuances there. <laughs> Um, and, you know, we can see offices and flats, you know, going into old House of Fraser's and, you know, old top shops are being turned into, uh, you know, even a vaccination centre. So, you know, it's really interesting to kind of see the breadth of stuff going into these spaces, especially the oversized department stores where we might have sort of walked straight into a cloud of perfume in a massive beauty hall or, you know, escalators upon escalators upon escalators of, you know, uh, leading to sort of endless clothing racks or shelves of dinner plates I don't know <laughs> it's just it'll make for for an interesting change <laughs> absolutely we've got a nice insight into your life there <laughs> really exciting life <laughs> I think oh, there's some sorry Jess I think there's some really you know I know they always say that um hardship is the um mother of invention or innovation I've probably got that wrong but something like that isn't it but it is it's really encouraging to see some of the the, the more interesting ideas that are coming forward for for this redundant space isn't it and I think I think you know not all of them are going to work are they but it's it's great to see um see them being put put forward and maybe there's some you know new players in the market that are going to have a have a have a go at go at things and we'll you know, bring a bit of life back to our high streets, which which we all want to we all want to do, don't we? I think if you, anyone who's um, been anywhere near a high street over the last week or so has seen lots of queues and lots of activity, so um, we want to get back for sure. Hundred percent. 
I think if I was an eccentric billionaire, I, I might be tempted to buy a shopping centre and just move into it and sort of live like like in the, the first half of Dawn of the Dead, where you're just sort of wanting, you know, how fantastic it would be to have a house with escalators. Are you not an eccentric billionaire? I'm sadly not an eccentric billionaire. <laughs> yeah, I just do this for the fun of it. Uh, uh, any other news highlights of the week for you, you guys? I, I guess also in the um, retail, leisure and logistics um, special, or RLL, as we like to call it in Team EG, we've got... Um, uh, a swan song from our wonderful um, James uh, Child, um, uh, looking at the sort of rise of in industrial and and, um, and also taking a little look at it from a sustainability point of view as well. So there's some some excellent reading in there and a really cool layout which all of us all of us loved. And um, the full report is available too. That's going to be available next week, but there is a link there for people to to download um, that full full report and then. You know, it was another it was another really 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 busy busy week it's a jam-packed um magazine as uh, i'm sure people find out when we get to the quiz um <laughs> but uh yeah the big story of of the week was um just to look at the impact that our inability to travel internationally has had on investment into into the capital and you know for for a long time uh, global investment has has driven quite a lot of transactions in in London, and um, for the first quarter of this this year, that was pretty low. It was 800 million, which is still, you know, I'd be happy with 800 million. Uh, um, so it's great that there is still activity, but that was two thirds down on Q1 2019, which is you know a time when we hadn't even heard of COVID, and still I think 30% down on on um, Q1 2020. So you know, a real insight into the impact that I'm not being able to travel is having an investment mm. and, you know, and also an insight into how um, slow still the transformation of the real estate sector is when it comes to technology and data, you know, all the stuff that Julian um, was talking about in, in your interview with Stemprop, because we should actually be able to buy assets without necessarily seeing them if we've got the data and we trust in our advisors do you really need to fly there to see it that is my question i mean yeah i mean i mean it's got to help hasn't it <laughs> <laughs> but no i know in and i you know at the level that you're talking uh, and from yeah. a from a sustainability point of view yeah when you have, you know, when you have people who buy football clubs and never visit the stadium, then absolutely, yeah. that's another thing. That's another topic. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned the quiz, Sam. I did, uh, and uh, I think I, I gather this week uh, you're going to team up to see whether you can uh, be the first people to get five out of five after no, Alex's team, stellar performance. So let's get straight to it. Uh, question one. Which city council has approved a skyscraper for a second time after an administrative blunder torpedoed the first consent? That is Birmingham City Council, I believe, isn't it? It is. It is. One out of one. Court, court collaborations, 160 million uh, BTR tower at one east side. OK, so which tech company looks set for a new HQ in Farringdon? That's uh, Depop. 
Very good. Now, uh, apparently in a, uh, their app is said to be a mainstay on the phones of 16 to 24-year-olds. Uh, I am sadly well outside that bracket. Uh, <laughs> we, your closest, uh, do you have any idea what, what the Depop app does? Um, there are no points on offer cool fashion-y stuff. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> if Sounds it was good. 42 to 61-year-olds, we might make it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, should, we should get working on an app for that. <laughs> Um, okay, question three, two out of two. Impressive going. We report on a record high for permitted development uh, applications last month ahead of a restriction on so-called micro flats. So after 6th of April, how big do flats have to be? Ooh, uh, 30 something, 37 oh, square metres. 37 square metres. Amazing. Three out of three. Emma would be so proud of you. It's mainly because uh, I'm frightened of Emma telling me off. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> so question four, on for a full, full house. Uh, the missing words question. So almost half of British millennials are happy to share their blank for a more impactful shopping experience. Um, that's DNA. It is, which is, is quite frightening. Human biological DNA. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and uh, any insight into how they're willing to share it? I don't think details were given on that front, but we'll have to wait for, for more on that. <laughs> okay, four out of four. On a postcard. How this, would this you share it. your DNA? <laughs> <laughs> this is history in the making. Final question, the diary question. Uh, now, there is no doubt, uh, you know, say what you like about unpaid rent, but the biggest story of the week in the wider world was the short-lived plans for a European Super League, which came under attack from all sides, including uh, property's own Gary Neville. Uh, and helpfully, he even offered Diary a real estate angle when he slammed Man United owners for letting their stadium rust and not developing the land around it. And that gave me personally... Uh, the opportunity to finally fulfil a very long-held professional ambition with a new twist on a classic sports headline. Can you remember what that headline in this week's diary is? I, I remember it being totally genius, but I want to get it right. Um, it was uh, Super Gary. Oh, no. Super Gary goes ballistic ESL atrocious or something. That, oh, no. I, I, that's, oh, no. that's, that's five out of five. It's yeah, ESL's atrocious. That is it. Five oh. out of five. Maybe this, does this mean we have to retire the Yay. news quiz? I don't know. But we're still <laughs> congratulations to you both. If yeah. anyone was going to score a five out of five, it would have to be the team supreme. I'm, of I, I think this is the proudest moment of my life. <laughs> I'd like to thank my mum. <laughs> I'd like to thank your mum too. <laughs> your mum sent in the questions, so I would also like to thank your mum. <laughs> uh, okay, so that uh, just leaves us time. Sam, do you want to take us through what, what we've got to expect on the on the EG podcast channel next week? Do you know this time I've prepared, Jess? <laughs> Uh, which is unusual isn't it um so um a, a a trio of fascinating podcasts next next week one of those obviously is eg like sunday morning on sunday mm-hmm. um then coming up on tuesday we've got um a 
a long interview actually with Brendan Wallace of, of Fifth Wall. Um, so I, I got to speak to Brendan. I was here in lovely sunny Sussex. He was in his um, ski house in um, um, huh, well, what, Utah, um, yeah. which is very nice. Um, I wasn't at all jealous. And we had a really in-depth chat about everything that's going on at Fifth Wall. You've obviously seen in the in the news they've been really active uh, of of late and we had a really good catch up about that and and some really punchy um comments from from brendan around real estate um uh sort of commitment to climate change and exactly how um essential it is that they start investing in the r d of um climate change rather than just buying some technology to put in their in their building so it's a really really fascinating um conversation longer than we would usually do for a podcast but i think that people will um really get really get into it and um that is part of our tech special that we've got coming up in the magazine next week too so hopefully people will enjoy that and then mr tim burke is back with the market moves um podcast that sometimes we call internally finance talks uh, <laughs> but it's called market moves and he's going to be talking about green financing um which uh obviously we've also seen a lot of a lot of activity from the the big real estate firms um who are committing to um to esg uh in a financial way so making making themselves or forcing themselves to to really put um, sustainability at the heart of their business. So if they don't meet um, certain um, targets, then their debt um, uh, becomes more expensive. So, you know, really hitting themselves where, where it hurt, if that's the right phrase. Uh, um, so some really, really um, interesting podcasts there, I think, for people. And, and um, you know, I guess if people have missed what we've done this week, there's also been um, a lot uh, up there so do go and check out the EG Property podcast channel for um, uh, a lot of fascinating hour old information. <laughs> Very well enunciated. Thanks. Uh, uh, not only that but on Wednesday uh, I will have uh, the latest episode of On The Case. Uh, Kim Clifford uh, from Ashurst she's going to come on, I haven't recorded it yet but I'm sure it'll be fantastic. We're going to dig into even greater detail uh, into the Fragrance Shop, Sports Direct, uh, Cineworld and Mecca Bingo uh, and, uh, and uh, look at why every single argument uh, has been demolished thus far. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's enough for today, I think. And as you said, we'll be back next week with uh, EG Like Sunday Morning. Uh, Sam, do you want to sing us out? EG, EG Like Sunday Morning. I hope everyone sways along with me when I sing that. (laughs) I'm still waiting for the record contract.